Chapter 5 of Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arnie Larson. Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus by James Otis. Chapter 5 When the doors of the big tent were opened and the people began to crowd in, just as Toby had seen them do at Guilford, Mr. Lord announced to his young clerk that it was time for him to go into the tent to work. Then it was that Toby learned for the first time that he had two masters instead of one, and this knowledge caused him no little uneasiness. If the other one was anything like Mr. Lord, his lot would be just twice as bad, and he began to wonder whether he could even stand it one day longer. As the boy passed through the tent on his way to the candy-stand, where he was really to enter upon the duties for which he had run away from home, he wanted to stop for a moment and speak with the old monkey, who he thought had taken such an interest in him. But when he reached the cage in which his friend was confined, there was such a crowd around it that it was impossible for him to get near enough to speak without being overheard. This was such a disappointment to the little fellow that the big tears came into his eyes, and in another instant would have gone rolling down his cheeks if his aged friend had not chanced to look toward him. Toby fancied that the monkey looked at him in the most friendly way, and then he was certain that he winked one eye. Toby felt that there was no mistake about that wink, and it seemed as if it was intended to convey comfort to him in his troubles. He winked back at the monkey in the most emphatic and grave manner possible and then went on his way, feeling wonderfully comforted. The work inside the tent was far different and much harder than it was outside. He was obliged to carry around among the audience trays of candy, nuts, and lemonade for sale. He was also expected to cry aloud the description of that which he offered. The partner of Mr. Lord, who had charge of the stand inside the tent, showed himself to be neither better nor worse than Mr. Lord himself. When Toby first presented himself for work, he handed him a tray filled with glasses of lemonade and told him to go among the audience, crying, "'Here's your nice cold lemonade, only five cents a glass!' Toby started to do as he was bidden, but when he tried to repeat the words in anything like a loud tone of voice, they stuck in his throat, and he found it next to impossible to utter a sound above a whisper. It seemed to him that every one of the audience was only looking at him, and the very sound of his own voice made him afraid. He went entirely around the tent once without making a sale, and when he returned to the stand he was at once convinced that one of his masters was quite as bad as the other. This one, and he knew that his name was Jacobs, for he had heard someone call him so, very kindly told him that he would break every bone in his body if he didn't sell something, and Toby confidently believed that he would carry out his threat. It was with a very heavy heart that he started around again in obedience to Mr. Jacob's angry command, but this time he did manage to cry out, in a very thin and very squeaky voice, the words which he had been told to repeat. This time, perhaps owing to his pitiful and imploring look, certainly not because of his, the noise he made, he met with very good luck and sold every glass of the mixture which Messrs. Lord and Jacobs called lemonade and went back to the stand for more. 
He certainly thought he had earned a word of praise and fully expected it as he put the empty glasses and money on the stand in front of Mr. Jacobs. But, instead of the kind words, he was greeted with a volley of curses, and the reason for it was that he had taken in payment for two of the glasses a lead ten-cent piece. Mr. Jacobs, after scolding poor little Toby to his heart's content, vowed that the amount should be kept from his first week's wages, and then handed him back the coin, with orders to give it to the first man who gave him money to change, under the penalty of a severe flogging if he failed to do so. Poor Toby tried to explain matters by saying, "'You see, I don't know anything about money. I never had more than a cent at a time, and you mustn't expect me to get posted all at once.' "'I'll post you with a stick if you do it again, and it won't be well for you if you bring that ten-cent piece back here.' Now Toby was very well aware that to pass the coin, knowing it to be bad, would be a crime, and he resolved to take the consequences of which Mr. Jacobs had intimated, if he could not find the one who had given him the counterfeit, and persuaded him to give him good money in its stead. He remembered very plainly where he had sold each glass of lemonade, and he retraced his steps, glancing at each face carefully as he passed. At last he was confident that he saw the man who had gotten him into such trouble, and he climbed up the board seats, saying as he stood in front of him and held out the coin, "'Mister, this money that you gave me is bad. Won't you give me another one for it?' The man was a rough-looking party who had taken his girl to the circus, and who did not seem at all disposed to pay any heed to Toby's request, Therefore he repeated it, and this time more loudly. "'Get out of the way,' said the man angrily. "'How can you expect me to see the show if you stand right in front of me?' "'You'll like it better,' said Toby earnestly, "'if you give me another ten-cent piece.' "'Get out and don't bother me,' was the angry rejoinder, and the little fellow began to think that perhaps he would be obliged to get out without getting his money. It was becoming a desperate case, for the man was growing very angry very fast.' and if Toby did not succeed in getting good money for the bad, he would have to take the consequences of which Mr. Jacobs had spoken. "'Please, mister,' he said imploringly, for his heart began to grow very heavy, and he was fearing that he should not succeed. "'Won't you please give me the money back? You know you gave it to me, and I'll have to pay it if you don't.' The boy's lip was quivering, and those around began to be interested in the affair, while several in the immediate vicinity gave vent to their indignation that a man should try to cheat a boy out of ten cents by giving him counterfeit money. The man whom Toby was speaking to was about to dismiss him with an angry reply, when he saw that those about him were not only interested in the matter, but were evidently taking sides with the boy against him, and knowing well that he had given the counterfeit money, he took another coin from his pocket and handing it to Toby said, "'I didn't give you the lead piece.' "'But you're making such a fuss about it "'that here's ten cents to make you keep quiet.' "'I'm sure you did give me the money,' said Toby, "'and as he took the extended coin, "'and I'm much obliged to you for taking it back. "'I didn't want to tell you before, "'cause you'd thought it was begging, "'but if you hadn't given me this, "'I expect I would have got an awful whipping, "'for Mr. Jacob said he'd fix me "'if I didn't get the money for it.' "'The man looked sheepish enough "'as he put the bad money in his pocket.' and Toby's innocently told story caused such a feeling on his behalf amongst those who sat near that he not only disposed of his entire stock then and there, but received from one gentleman twenty-five cents for himself. He was both proud and happy as he returned to Mr. Jacobs with empty glasses, 
and with the money to refund the amount of loss which would have been caused by the counterfeit. But the worthy partner of Mr. Lord's candy business had no words of encouragement for the boy who was trying so hard to please. "'Let that make you keep your eyes open,' he growled out skulkily. "'And if you get caught in that trap again, you won't be let off so easy.' Poor little Toby! His heart seemed ready to break, but his few hours' previous experience had taught him that there was but one thing to do, and that was to work just as hard as possible, trusting to some good fortune to enable him to get out of the very disagreeable position in which he had voluntarily placed himself. He took the basket of candy that Mr. Jacobs handed him, and trudged around the circle of seats, selling far more because of the pitifulness of his face than because of the excellence of his goods, and even this worked to his disadvantage. Mr. Jacobs was keen enough to see why the little clerk sold so many goods, and each time that he returned to the stand he said something to him in an angry tone, which had the effect of deepening the shadow on the boy's face, and at the same time increasing trade. By the time the performance was over, Toby had in his pocket a dollar and twenty-five cents, which had been given him for himself by some of the kind-hearted in the audience, and he kept his hand almost constantly upon it, for the money seemed to him like some kind of friend who would help him out of his present difficulties. After the audience had dispersed, Mr. Jacob set Toby at work washing the glasses and clearing up generally, and then the boy started toward the other portion of the store, that watched over by Mr. Lord. Not a person save the watchman was in the tent, and as Toby went toward the door he saw his friend the monkey sitting in one corner of the cage, and apparently watching his every movement. It was as if he had suddenly seen one of the boys from home, and Toby, uttering an exclamation of delight, ran up to the cage and put his hand through the wires. The monkey, in the gravest possible manner, took one of the fingers in his paw, and Toby shook hands with him very earnestly. "'I was sorry that I couldn't speak to you when I went in this noon,' said Toby, as if making an apology. "'But, you see, there were so many around here to see you that I couldn't get the chance. Did you see me wink at you?' The monkey made no reply, but he twisted his face into such a funny little grimace that Toby was quite as well satisfied as if he had spoken. "'I wonder if you hain't some relation to Steve Stubbs,' Toby continued earnestly, "'for you look just like him, only he don't have quite so many whiskers.' What I wanted to say was that I'm awful sorry I ran away. I used to think that Uncle Dan'l was bad enough, but he was just a perfect good Samaritan to what Mr. Lord and Mr. Jacobs are, and when Mr. Lord looks at me with that crooked eye of his, I feel it way down in my boots, do you know? And here Toby put his mouth nearer to the monkey's head and whispered, I'd run away from the circus if I could get the chance, wouldn't you? Just at this point, as if in answer to the question, the monkey stood up on his hind feet and reached out a paw to the boy, who seemed to think that this was his way of being more emphatic in saying, Yes. Toby took the paw in his hand, shook it again earnestly, and said as he released it, I was pretty sure you felt just about the same way I did, Mr. Stubbs, when I passed you this noon. Look here. And Toby took the money from his pocket, which had been given him. I got all this this afternoon, and I'll try and stick it out somehow till I get as much as ten dollars and then we'll run away some night and go away as far as, as, as out west, and we'll stay there, too. The monkey, probably tired with remaining in one position for so long, started toward the top of the cage, chattering and screaming, joining the other monkeys who had gathered in a little group in one of the swings. Now see here, Mr. Stubbs, said Toby in alarm. 
you mustn't go telling everybody about it, or Mr. Lord will know, and then we'll be dished for sure. The monkey sat quietly in the swing, as if he felt reproved by what the boy had said, and Toby, considerably relieved by his silence, said as he started towards the door, "'That's right, mum's the word. You keep quiet, and so will I, and pretty soon we'll get away from the whole crowd.' All the monkeys chattered, and Toby, believing that everything which he had said had been understood by the animals, went out the door to meet his other taskmaster. End of chapter 5 Recording by Arnie Larson